It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I don't know if uh, Randy's still out there in the newsroom. Randy, what was that story about where somebody said it's as dumb as a bucket of hair? That's that's classic. <laughs> Did you like that one? Wow, that's a good one. That's a great line, really. I mean, when I heard that, too, just now, first time I'd sort of actually listened to that was just now, and I went, <laughs> wow, I've got to use that line a few times. It was about a Planned Parenthood video that was made, and one of the people involved in making these Planned Parenthood videos has been given probation, and uh, her lawyer said, well, it's the dumbest case that's ever been. It's as bad as a, or as dumb as a bucket of hair. Well, here's the challenge for the texters till 9 o'clock tonight. You can text 630, 630. Send in your best insult of someone's intelligence. That's a good <laughs> Has one. to be clean, though, and funny. Oh, can't I've... just can't just be totally mean. No, I heard you talking earlier too about uh, texting, and if you're going to text in, like think it through. Yeah, it helps. I try to think through most of the stuff I say. Yeah, think because before you text, Randy. That's the we, exact line. We should get big bumper stickers <laughs> made up. Yeah. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm all right. I'm much better than I was 24 hours ago. Yes, that, I heard. That, that goes without saying. I heard. Yeah, no, I'm doing fine, buddy. Thanks I'm, for asking. Okay, well, thanks for having me on. Randy Kilburn, the 6.30 Ched Newsroom, working hard tonight. You'll hear him again at 7.30. That's dumber than a bucket of hair. That's the one you got to beat so far. Text 6.30, 6.30. Some sports-related texts coming in tonight. Blair says... Last night's game was awesome. I think it shows what the Oilers can do when the team is running on seven of eight cylinders. Can't wait to see the team running on all eight. Well, no Nugent Hopkins. And no uh, no cleft bomb, and probably no cleft bomb for a while. Here's McClellan today. He's not skating. You know, there's, there's nothing else that I can tell you. Um, Every time I, we, the team, his teammates, we get our hopes up, um, there seems to be a setback. So, uh, you know, we've got him parked away. We know that he's going to be a real effective player for us, but um, he's got a lot of work to do now before he gets back into the lineup. Not because he can't perform, but just skate, get his lungs uh, where they need to be, his energy level up, his timing, um, his hands, and he hasn't even started doing that. So he's not a... uh, you know, right now he's not a day-to-day player. He's he's off in the distance. All right. Well, that's not good news about Clefbaum. I I know I've been asked, and, and I know it's uh, it's been out there in other circles. You know, people ask me, does Oscar Clefbaum have a staff infection? I'm always careful talking about injuries. There has been nothing official from the team. Um, I I know that it appears there is some sort of some sort of infection issue with a leg. Uh, the exact variety. I don't know. Um, I've seen Clefbaum briefly a couple of times walking. 
so it did suggest to me that it's obviously not a broken bone or a major muscle issue or anything like that. But unfortunately, he is still not skating. So frustrating, frustrating for McClellan, frustrating for the Oilers. So, I mean, we're looking at a situation where Nugent Hopkins is out probably until at least March 1st. You have to wonder if Clefbaum is kind of in the same boat, given that he's going to have to come back and uh, and skate and get back up to speed, and, and he's not close to even practicing yet. So there we go. Graham in Calgary texting in, do you think the Oilers could get any return on Yakupov right now? I hope it won't happen this way, but I feel like he's going to be another Justin Schultz pretty soon. That is from Graham in Calgary. Uh, I don't think there's much return right now for Yakupov. I mean, I suppose the, the, the positive, if the Oilers would try to move Yakupov, is that he only makes $2.5 million per year. He does have a year left on his contract, so maybe a team takes a flyer on him at, at a cheap price and hopes he explodes next year, and, and then you still have his rights to sign him. But I don't know if he's an overly appealing player to other clubs, quite frankly. Daryl from Vernon says, Hello, Reed. A couple days ago I said the Oilers get 20 wins from now to the end of the season. Well, one down, 19 to go. That is from Daryl from Vernon, who I know will keep tabs on that probably after every win. Okay, uh, Kevin says, I don't think the Oilers will make the playoffs. It's just not realistic. However, the Minnesota Wild put up an amazing run last year and squeaked in, so I'm not going to say it's impossible. That is from Kevin. Well, here's the thing, and like I said, it, it, it McDavid gives you some hope, and like the guy said, don't. It's not all the eggs in the McDavid McDavid basket. Of, of course not, but he's a he's a pretty significant piece, and you see him play like he did last night, and he makes you believe that the Oilers have a guy who can have a massive impact on the game almost every game. Because he's consistent, he's skilled, he's hungry. And a couple people have texted in about what Kelly and I were talking about. Look, the goal he got, completely impressive. It's a goal only a handful of... I mean, Malkin comes to mind as a guy who could score that type of a goal. Not many other guys. But the, the Eberle goal, somebody texted in. I mean, seconds before the goal, McDavid's lying on the ice and still fighting to keep the puck alive. It's a 4-1 game. It's, it's over. You've, you've pretty much, you know, Columbus last in the league. You, could, you know, you didn't have to, I mean, you did quote-unquote didn't have to fight for that extra inch. You could have let the goalie cover the puck. You could have said, oh, we got this one on the bag. He just wouldn't let it die. He just would not let the puck die. And two, three seconds later, it's in the net. Okay. And, and there is always that. There, this is the thing. Everybody says, well, if you're not in the playoffs by American Thanksgiving, you won't get in. That's true for 13 or 14 of the teams that we're in. There is always that one team that goes on a magical run. The, the problem for me is the Oilers is, is how far they're out and how many teams they have to pass. If they're sitting here today four points out of the playoffs and there's only one or two teams between them and the cut line, I'm singing a different tune. But they have to pass everybody in their division to get into the wild card. Now you hope that uh, the Flames do the Oilers a favor tonight and lose and things like that keep happening, but they don't control their own destiny. So that's that's a part of the problem here. Mark texting in, he says, let's cool our jets regarding McDavid. He's only played 14 games. The elite teams are going to find a way to contain him and he is going to go through droughts. 
Do you remember how Bob used to refer to Nugent Hopkins as one of the best players in the NHL on the half wall? He had only played 20 games when Bob referred to him repeatedly like that. Slow down, guys. Let's let the kid develop and play more games before we crown him. All right. Well, I mean, that's that's fair enough. I'm not going to speak for stuff Bob said, but look, I, I think McDavid can have a huge impact. I I. I I don't think I'm jinxing him or overstating it or anything like that. I, I think he can flat out have a massive impact on almost every game he plays in. And there, there, I mean, there's no comparable to McDavid at this point in his career except for a guy like Crosby. He's the last guy we saw coming out of junior with this much hype. So... You know what Bob said or didn't say about Nugent Hopkins or anybody else. He's a he's a different kind of number one draft pick. Not all number one overall draft picks are created equally, and we're certainly learning that with Yakupov. Who, let's face it, in in most years the way it looks now is he even a top ten pick? I don't know if he is. Somebody uh, texting in here says you can you comment on Clendenning? I, I, I Adam Clendenning, I I don't have much more to say about Clendenning beyond what I said the other night, where it, it's pretty much wait-and-see mode for this guy. Look, he, he was taken 36th overall in 2011 by Chicago, so mid-second round. So there was some belief and potential in him. He went to Boston University. But like I said, he, he's been traded so much. He was traded on January of 29th of last year. He was traded on July 28th of 2015, right? He he was traded January of 2016. Then then he was put on waivers and the Oilers picked him up. His fifth organization within a year, he never actually played a game for the Ducks. So he's one of those cases where he appears to be a player that other teams think is valuable enough to take a chance on, but then isn't valuable enough to think, okay, well, we could we could part with this guy or we could throw him into a trade and the other guy thinks, yeah, we'll take a chance on him. I just think he's a guy the Oilers have taken a chance on for some right shot depth. You know what? Maybe he turns out to have a dimension to his game. Somebody asked me that a few days ago. What is Justin Schultz? What is Justin Schultz's dimension? And I had trouble answering the question, and I still do. Maybe Clem Denning will at least have a significant and consistent dimension that at least you know is there. I, I mean, I think he's a he's a depth guy. Hopefully can maybe help the power play a little bit, but I'm I'm certainly speaking of not crowning people, I'm certainly not ready to crown Clendenning a long term oiler or or even a guy who can be a reasonable contributor for the rest of the season. I'm just not there with him, given his pedigree, given how he's he's moved around and, and given just one game as an oiler. So that that's really all I can say on him so far. We were asking for some texts about intelligence of someone's or uh, insults of someone's intelligence. This person says, Troy says, there must be two of you because one person can't be that stupid. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that one. That one's good. <laughs> if you had an IQ of two more, you'd be a plant. <laughs> Ray says, that guy is about as bright as a sack of wet mice. <laughs> I don't even know. The visual on that one is kind <laughs> that- of disturbing. That would stink too, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your brain rolls around in there like a BB in a boxcar. I've heard that one before. My my, uh, grade 10 math teacher used to say that to me a lot. 
Uh, Dar I can't read all these, by the way. A, there's too many, and B, some are a little, uh, little borderline for, uh, for uh, radio. But Derek says, uh, scientists say the world is made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons, but they forgot about the morons. So that, that, that's uh, a good one. I like the BB in a box. Yeah, that, that, that might be my favorite. One of my favorite ones of all time. Uh, I can't remember where I first heard it. Uh, <laughs> if you were any dumber, we'd have to water you twice a week. <laughs> it's uh, seven seventeen. You can keep texting to six thirty six thirty. Phone lines are open seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You'll hear a little bit from your quarterback, Mike Riley, when we get back. You're listening to six thirty Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet, presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow as the Oilers visit the Ottawa Senators. Pre-game show at 4, puck drop at 5.30. AMA, safety and savings for your family. Four-game road trip for the Oilers. Remember, afternoon games on the weekend, the game against the Habs on Saturday will start at noon. And uh, the game on Super Bowl Sunday against the New York Islanders will start at 12.30. NHL action tonight. The Canadians and the Sabres are tied 2-2 with about 11 minutes left. The Red Wings trailing the Lightning 2-1. That one halfway through the game. And the Hurricanes and the Flames will face off in about 15 minutes. All right. Mike Riley, Eskimos quarterback, Great Cup MVP, in town today. You can get his full comments to his uh, media scrum by going to the Eskimos page on 630ched.com. We'll be playing some highlights here for you throughout the show. And uh, Riley commenting on, well, he got into a few things here about the, the upcoming season, a new coaching staff, all that kind of stuff. And then eventually he'll comment on his long-term future with the green and gold. Have a listen. Well, I think we've always taken the mindset of we're going to do whatever it takes to win, and we've had a great defense for the last two years. Um, I think our offense has been pretty good too, but uh, we, we definitely played well towards the end of the season offensively. Um, but our defense was certainly a mainstay of our football team. We don't think that's going to change at all. We, you know, we still have the same players in the locker room. We still have the same veteran guys, um, you know, and, and they're still capable of playing that type of football. So we're still going to have, you know, in my opinion, the most dominant defense in the league. Um, but you know, offensively. Like I say, you saw what Ottawa was able to do last year and, and what we were able to do once we got things rolling and we kind of all started clicking and getting on the same page, um, we're certainly capable of big things offensively. I think we proved that towards the end of the year last year and, and I expect us to pick up right where we left off and, and to be just a much better team all around than we were last year. As I said, if you want to defend that championship, you have to get better and we plan to. You're signed only through this next season. Would you like to take care of that? Would you like to? You've said before that this is a place you're quite happy. You'd like to be around for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I don't see myself going anywhere other than Edmonton. This is where I've I've won my first Grey Cup as a starter, um, and this is where I first got my opportunity to be a starter and play. Um, and this is where I want to be. And I don't really worry about those things. They they take care of themselves. That's um, that's for something down the road to think about. But for right now, my biggest concern is making sure that I'm on the same page with our new staff so that we're prepared to go in and have a great season next year. And again, um, all that other the field stuff uh, that's what I have an agent for and that's what uh, what we have a general manager for and those guys talk about those types of things as players you start worrying about that um, now you're thinking about too many different things you just got to worry about playing football 
All right, so that's a little bit there from uh, Mike Riley. And, yes, you wonder if there's going to be some news about an extension at some point. You would think Ed Hervey and the Eskimos want to get that done. I mean, look, I don't think it's something that we should be uh, freaking out about, but I think most of you would like Mike Riley around for the foreseeable future. Riley also commenting on new head coach Jason Moss. Coach Moss is a guy that I've heard a lot about the entire time that I've been in the CFL because, you know, he was the quarterback coach in Toronto when I got here to Edmonton and I was like, okay, you know, you guys all know Ricky and you know Moss from playing here. How are those guys? So get a feel for who all the coaches in the league are, whether they're on my team or on another team. Um, so I've always heard a lot about the type of player that he was. Uh, I've heard he had a fiery personality um, and brought a lot of that onto the field, which obviously I think I'm pretty similar in that regard. But the time that I've spent in the last few months talking with him on the phone and now here in Edmonton, I mean, I, I couldn't be more excited about the season to get started. I think that, you know, he brings a ton of passion to the game of football and to this city. I know that um, his time in Edmonton was something that he really enjoyed and he's excited to be back here and be part of the green and gold again. And um, his knowledge and what he's done in this league offensively speaks for itself. So, you know, we know that we're getting a great football mind and it's, it's gonna be up to us as players to go out and implement what he wants us to do. All right, some comments from Mike Riley, Eskimos quarterback. We'll have a couple of more later on in the show. And again, you can get Riley's full comments today by going to the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com. Oilers notes today, Luke Gazdick on waivers. If he clears, he'll be assigned to the Bakersfield Condors. And the Oilers will visit the Ottawa Senators tomorrow night to start their four-game road trip. All right. You can keep the text coming into 630-630. Greg Reynolds from Kissing Country 103.9. It is uh, always a lively conversation when he drops into studio. We'll talk a little bit about McDavid, the Oilers, and, of course, Super Bowl 50 on the frozen tundra of Santa Clara, California. All right, maybe their tundra isn't frozen. It just sounds better. They should just have a rule that all the fields in the NFL have to be frozen all the time for every game. Sandy tundra of <laughs> yes. Santa Clara. Sandy. The earthquake-shaken tundra of Santa Clara, California. Hey, on Friday, we're going to be doing the show from Claire Drake Arena as the Golden Bears take on the U of S Huskies. Levko Coper from the Bears will join us a little later on as well. We're back after the news inside Sports on Ched. Hi, this is Andrew Ference from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Is some NFL Films music, Kellen Kennedy? Yes, to go along with the frozen tundra of Santa Clara. That's classic. We were saying just before you came in, Greg, Greg Reynolds from Kissing joining us that all NFL games should be played on Frozen Tundra. The Frozen Tundra. The, aren't those broadcasts awesome when you watch the NFL Network? The NFL, this, I mean, why, why has the NFL become what it is? It is because it has done the best job of marketing itself than any other league in North America. You ever tried to watch the NHL Network? Yes. <laughs> Compared to the NFL, it's not even the same league. I mean, the NFL was the first to embrace television to the extent that it did. I mean, baseball owners just used to be like, yeah, we can't show games. Can't show games. People will stop coming. Now, maybe that'll still happen eventually. 
when you can watch everything on your phone, regardless of where you are in the world. Foot, the NFL embraced television, embraced, you know, took a chance. with Like, they used to think Monday Night Football might not work. They used to think the Super Bowl might not work. They were big gambles. Yeah. And they Revenue sharing. Even, like, back in the, the, the owner of the New York Giants at one point, I think back in the 60s, was like, we're going to have to share revenue. Yeah. He sucked it up. Is that Mara? Oh, uh, yeah. Or one Tish, of the, one of the guys. Yeah, I think Mara, who... At the time, he was young, probably only like 60. And now all of his daughters are actresses. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, and then and they made NFL films. They just decided, well, we can't rely on TV stations and radio stations to market us. Well, we're going to start Ed our own little thing. Ed and Steve Sable were right. huge with that. I mean, some of the... If you... I watched uh, those behind-the-scenes NFL things. You know how they, like, recap somebody's life? I can't remember what it's called now. They yeah. go through like a life of this a biography show. Sure, something like that. I love them. Anyways, uh, they did one on Steve Sable, and man, the the stuff that these guys have brought to the NFL is it's immeasurable. It's huge. We'll talk about the uh, latest edition of the hype Super Bowl Fifty coming up on Sunday. Greg Reynolds from Kissing Country One Hundred Three Nine. Oh, you just got off the air two to seven. You're on that fine station every yeah, day. Yeah, that's right. Kissing Country One Hundred Three Point Nine. Two to seven. Excellent we can hang stuff. Out. We're gonna have some laughs today. I wanted to ask you a, a quick question because yes. I saw the Oilers retweet this last night, and I thought it was so cool. Derek Martin took his three-year-old daughter Maddie to her first NHL game, and what a game! Right, you get to see McDavid score that incredible goal. You're never gonna forget it. So, do you remember your first NHL game? I don't. Actually, I remember that uh, I went to three games in the WHA when I was probably four or five. Yeah. So we're talking 78 or, or 79 before the Oilers joined the NHL. I like I don't really remember specifics, but I remember being at games. And I would have probably gone to an NHL game the first game, first year they were in the NHL, but I can't specifically remember the game. Well, what is your first being at a hockey game memory? Like, what, what do you remember? Because for me, I grew up in Calgary. Don't oh, judge me. Okay. No, that's and fine. And my dad took me to a Flames game, and I always cheered against the Flames. So it was Flames Sharks. I was cheering for the Sharks. And I still cheer against the Flames. My family hates me for it. But all I remember is cheering against the Flames and falling asleep in the second period. I remember a game where the uh, – see, here's the thing. I, th- these may not be the correct details. Because you're so little at the time. Absolutely. But uh, this was before there was overtime in the NHL. And when I was a kid, I cheered for both the Oilers and the Canadians. The Oilers because I lived in Evansburg, yeah. local local team. Everybody cheered for them. And I cheered for the Canadians because they were still my dad's favorite team. Because uh, when you're, uh, you know, when you're someone my dad's age, you either cheered for Montreal or Toronto, right? Absolutely. And I remember going to a game, Montreal and Edmonton, and it was 3-3. And I was like, great, this game's going to end in a tie. You know, both teams I like, they'll both get a point. And the Oilers, I think, scored with like two seconds left to win. I think it was Dave Hunter. And then I kind of hated Dave Hunter for a while. This is my favorite thing because you start and you're like, I don't really remember a lot of the details, but it was 3-3 going into the third. Well, and the I, la- <laughs> those could be wrong. This could be, if I went and found the box score, I'd probably be like, that's not what happened at all. But that's a, an early... Uh, NHL game attendance memory that I have. How about this one? I had Tim call into my show late in the show, and his very first game, he went to the little boy's room, got separated from his dad. He was crying, couldn't find his dad. And who comes to get him? Wayne Gretzky. No way. Yeah. Where was this? It was at uh, it was at Rexall. 
How long ago? It was, he said he was probably about four or five. It was a couple of years after Wayne retired. Oh, so and he was here for a game or an yeah, event Yeah, he was in the stands. And Wayne comes out and grabs this little guy who's crying. And he got to meet uh, Wayne and Dave Semenko. So, oh, wow. what That's a first a... experience. Well, there's a, uh, this is a non-hockey story, but I thought this was pretty cool. And, and this just popped into my mind. So I, if I had time, I'd go and, and research it. But I read this probably two or three years ago. And it was by a, a, a sports writer, I think it was on ESPN's website, who took his young son to his first baseball game. And the kid's like probably five or six, like old enough to understand baseball, right? But not totally in tune with the history and You're the details. You're there for the peanuts and cracker jacks. Yeah. So the pitcher throws a no-hitter. First game <laughs> this kid ever attends. And the kid's like, oh, that was great. I saw a no-hitter. You know, He's never been to a game, course, so it must yeah. happen all the time. Yeah. There's a no-hitter. They go to another game later that season, and the starting pitcher takes a no-hitter into the ninth. Now, it got broken up. So can you imagine this kid? You're going to one day say, yeah, my first two games I ever attended, I witnessed a no-hitter and then a near no-hitter. But at that age, you wouldn't even appreciate it, I don't think. And I mean, talking about early memories, what, Gretzky got 215 points in 86? So oh, I was yeah, I, I was 12 and he are, he he had had other 200 point seasons before that when he got 92 goals in 81. So I mean I wasn't aware as a child, oh this is a higher scoring era. It was just like, yeah, well okay, this guy can get 90 goals. That's cool. Do you know what I love about the the no-hitter story though? Is if is if that happened now, that kid would be the biggest internet celebrity for five minutes. The team would invite him to every game. He'd get a special section on Sports Center. Let's see what little Timmy's up to and how the pitching did. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be tracking him. Absolutely, teams, there'd be a Timmy teams tracker. Would, teams would be recruiting him to come to their games. I don't know why his name is Timmy. Nobody's the little Timmy. kid. All every little kid is named Timmy <laughs> until he reaches the age of nine. Then he can select his own name. I saw this post. And we're not even talking sports anymore. But I saw this post on Facebook the other day, and it said, uh, "Everybody that is younger than me is now twelve, because that's how you refer to anybody younger than you. Oh, right. they're like twelve. For some reason, twelve's the age." And I was like, "You're right. Everybody that's younger, well, for they're probably twelve. Yeah." See, I I wonder that too. I mean, now I'm going to be 42 in April, so I'm pretty much right on middle age. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And you got a new sports car coming any year now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I just kind of group everybody under the age of about 27 into the same group. Yeah, they're 12. Yeah, they're, and they're too young. Yep. They haven't figured it out yet. And then I wonder what are like Bob Layton and Brian Hall think of me. Oh yeah, you're the young. When I was snapper. 42, I didn't know a damn thing, and now they got this <laughs> Wilkins kid running around. <laughs> Hosting a show at night. What does he know about sports? <laughs> I, I used to. I used to interview. <laughs> I used to interview Mickey Mantle every Tuesday over coffee. <laughs> anyway, Greg Reynolds, Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad joining us tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. I just want to read this from Bruce. It, it's funny. The uh, one thing I've learned about doing a talk show, and you've probably noticed the same thing: people's capacity for negativity never ceases to amaze me. In the context of just last night's game. Wonderful. They won 5-1. They beat the worst team in the league, convincingly, which you hope you're able to do. Your young phenom came back from a lengthy injury and got three points and scored a beautiful goal. In the context of last night's game, can that not just be celebrated? Taylor or Bruce writes in and says, you know you're reaching when you're looking at a 19-year-old kid with limited NHL experience to save your team. So far, first-round picks have not worked out for the Oilers. Keep it up, and you will always be a developing team. Sounds like a Calgary fan. Wah, wah. Hey, Flames fan, we get it. 
We get it. My brother does the same thing. Well, he's, I don't know. He's, got, he's got a 780 uh, area code on his on his number. Oh, so, that but means nothing. Could, yeah, it doesn't mean that, that much. Means I guess nothing. He, could, he could be in Louisiana for all we know. And, and I do want to say, and then look, I've had a couple texts like, "Oh, quit pre- like back off on McDavid. Let him develop." I am letting him developing, but if he if he has a game like that, it's it's worth discussing. It's worth celebrating, all that kind of stuff. And you know what though? That's what first overall picks do. Teams do rely on them to save their franchises. I got some. I got something to tell you, Bruce. The Pittsburgh Penguins don't exist. Okay, think of that. They flat out do not exist. If they don't draft Mario Lemieux, you know what else happens? They flat out do not exist if they don't draft Sidney Crosby. Those two players didn't just save the Penguins on the ice. They saved them off the ice. They're in Kansas City is, I believe, where they were supposed to go. So don't tell me that a first overall draft pick with that level of ability isn't going to maybe not save the team but have a significant impact on the team. My favorite thing is... Let him develop. Don't put too much emphasis or hype or pressure on the kid. And I'm like, listen, he was feeling the pressure last night. And that is what a generational player can do. He can take all that pressure and turn it into goals like we saw. That is what that kind of player is supposed to do. He's supposed to take all of the weight and produce on the ice. And love it. I think he loves the pressure. You see his smile last night? He was having a time of his life. Well, and the thing about McDavid is, uh, we we were talking about this earlier too, the the fifth goal, digging the puck out and keeping it alive, that's not skill. That's just determination. But did you see the effect his comeback had on every other player on the team too? Yes. Everybody else had extra jump. Taylor Hall was strong on that fourth goal, I think it was. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, he, and and that's what those great players, and look, we don't know what he's going to be. And I, I think maybe that's what people are telling me. Well, don't call him. He's played 14 games. Don't call him this, call him this, call him this. But in terms of the potential and what we've seen so far, okay, I, I believe the potential. I believe every everything that everybody said about him coming out of junior. There's no reason for me to believe he's going to go off the rails and become a dud or not be able to handle it and not, like you said, not embrace the pressure, all that stuff. But also, if you don't live in the moment and enjoy this kind of stuff when it happens, what if, and I don't want to put any negativity on this, but what if that type of player, I'm I'm being real cautious with this one, what if that type of player gets injured in two years and never gets back on the ice? And you're saying to yourself, you know, I really wish I celebrated when. Right. That's a good good way to put it. I mean, the... This is the thing. If if the Oilers ever win the Stanley Cup, and I hope it happens in the near future, I really do, because this fan base has been too much suffering lately. You know what? The next day, the this the Colin shows. Yeah, I don't know about such and such on the left wing. Uh, he didn't. Really, he, he didn't really pull his weight when we <laughs> uh, won Game Four, four nothing. So uh, uh, he's going to have to be replaced. What are we going to do? About, you know, there's uh, people anyway. Uh, Greg Reynolds joining us from Kissing Country 103. You want to do some football talk when we get back? Can we please? You, I have so much to say about Cam Newton. I have a, a best friend that I want to tell you about, and I wish we could get him on the air. I got to rip this guy because is it John Elwood? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Me and John were hanging out. Uh, we're back. It's 7.46. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. So the Buffalo Sabres beat the Montreal Canadiens 4-2. 
The Canadians, who the Oilers will play on Saturday, the Canadians have lost 21 of their last 26 games. Is that all Carey Price? And I know you're thinking, well, no, they can't score. But well, that's a big, Price, obviously a big part. Carey Price gives you that mentality that you can win any game. What were we just saying? <laughs> Everything circles back. Well, and and, and 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 again, you know, that that Bruce was saying, don't rely on one guy to save the save the team. Carey Price has pretty much saved the Montreal Canadiens ever since he became their their full time number one. I mean, you can make an argument. Going back to the 2005 draft, that Carey Price is the best player, that he's better than Sidney Crosby. You could, you yes, you could make the argument, but my thing, it just goes off in my head. I say cups, 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 cups. One nothing. There. That's all. Goaltender's the most important position on the ice. Yep. Absolutely. Now, it's an interesting debate because Price went fifth, and you would have thought, okay, and people, some people thought Ganey took a chance on it, taking him that high. I've always been surprised that goalies don't go higher because they're so important. But I guess they take a long time because to develop they take longer. And... No one wants to wait, and and if you're picking that high, you got to have somebody that can jump in in the next year or two. All that kind of stuff, right? Now we're talking about players that can save your franchise and turn things around. And I mean, let's be honest, Cam Newton, Super Bowl Fifty. Uh, he was number one. What five years ago? Twenty eleven draft. I want to say out of Auburn. Yep. Uh, and they've been pretty good since he joined the team. Now, well, okay, no, you had they, a, had, they had like a 2-14 and 14 season or something like that. I mean, it took a while for them to get this thing right, but now that it's right, it is so right. They look like... Uh, did you watch Auburn at all during that championship season with Cam Newton? No, I don't watch a lot of NCAA football. I mean, they were so dominant. They had, I think Nick Fairley was on that team who was supposed to be this great defensive tackle that was in Detroit. They were... They kind of look like Carolina does now, and I think that's so smart that Carolina has decided to build things around their franchise player rather than saying, fit into our system or you're gone. Right. All right, so what's your Newton story? I have one of my best buddies, uh, and I love the guy. Give him a name or at least an alias. His name is Seth. All right. And he, we kind of had a fight over the weekend because (laughs) he cannot talk enough about how much he hates Cam Newton. And I don't get it. And there are a lot of people out there that loathe Cam Newton. Oh, he's smiling too much. He's giving the footballs to the kids. He's dancing too much. He's so cocky. And this, these are all legitimate arguments I heard over the weekend. And I'm thinking, this guy is actually having fun playing a sport, which you rarely see. You're not seeing cranky Tom Brady yelling at his entire team. You're seeing smiling guy dancing around, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm not a Carolina Panthers fan, but I enjoy watching him play football because he enjoys it right well i think you're i mean the, the whole the whole celebration debate to me it has kind of gotten out of hand i mean there was even what was it a couple weeks ago people were timing cam newton celebrations and oh. it was like well the average nfl touchdown celebration is 3.4 and newtons are 8.1 if you it's see, insane if you see the looks on the kids faces when they get that football from cam newton you're never going to think twice about how long he celebrates for. Well, see, and to me, that's something where th- that's a, a pure thing that you would think he would be praised for. Giving a football to a little kid, not keeping it for himself, not having 50 footballs on his mantle at home. Those that- kids are never going to forget the day that they took that football from Cam Newton. They're going to be Cam Newton and Panther fans for the rest of their lives because that happened. And 
What does Tom Brady do? He throws it at Bill Belichick and tries to hit him in the head. <laughs> so I've, I, 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 as I, as I've aged here, speaking of age, like we were earlier, I, I've had the 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 celebrations tick me off way less than they used to. The only things I don't like are the like the the, the taunting. I mean, if you're going to celebrate, celebrate with your teammates, because if you direct it at your opponent, you could open the door to. You know, fighting, a cheap shot, and, fighting, and stuff like that. I like and, all and the of stuff it. that is overly choreographed. Oh, I like that stuff you do, so right? much. Okay, remember the stamps uh, bicycle that they had in the end zone? I well, and the stamps the had a lot. They had the bobsled. Baron Miles was talking about that on Inside Sports the other day. How much fun is that though? Why are you, they're playing a game for a living? It's a game. That's all it is. We love it, and we get way too into it, but it's a game. That's why I love to see people enjoying it and dancing and celebrating. And I loved when T.O. had the Sharpie and the Hall of Fame jacket and all that. It was great. Yeah, see, the Sharpie Sharpie was too much. The Sharpie was too much. You can't take a Sharpie onto the field. He didn't. He pulled it out of his sock. Well, right, so he was with (laughs) him on the field. (laughs) Greg Reynolds from Kissing Country 103.9. Okay, we've uh, only got a couple minutes left here. Uh, The game on Sunday. I am taking... Denver to win. Yes, I'm going against Carolina again. <laughs> it is going to be a repeat of two years ago, Manning versus the Seahawks. It's going to be a pound fest by Carolina. It's not even going to be close. you got to give a score. Uh, I'm going to go 35 to 10 for Carolina. Are you writing this down, Kellen, or saving the audio somewhere? Last time we did this, I came out on the losing end, and you were 100% right. And I'm because scared to at, make... Because at the time, Carolina was 12-0, and and you said they would go undefeated. I said they would go 15 and 1 and identify that they would lose at Atlanta. At Atlanta in week 15. What gives you confidence game. that Denver can win this game? I think uh I think their defense is exceptional as is Carolina's, but I think it's going to be able to get to uh, get to Newton as much as he can be gotten to. I think Manning's going to be prepared and will be able to overcome some of his now physical limitations and uh I think Denver has a better coaching staff. Here's what I think is going to happen. 24-19 Denver is what I'm saying. So the best part of Denver's defense, everybody agrees, is their front seven. Absolutely. Right? And the best part of Carolina's offense, nobody talks about, is their offensive line. That offensive line is the best offensive line in the league by far. So if they neutralize each other, it's going to be a runaway for Carolina. All right. So So I guess I'm basically saying... The Denver front seven is can, better than can, can can create havoc. I don't see it. I, I I think I think they have trouble with running quarterbacks. It was easy with Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady's not going to run anywhere. Well, no, they got after him big time. I, I, there's just something about call it woman's intuition. Sure, if you want to. Wilkie's picking Denver. All right, what, are we going to put something on the line here? Or is it just going to be a gentleman's bet? Gentleman's bet. Gentleman's bet. <laughs> Calgary and Carolina scoreless halfway through the first period. Greg, thank you so much for coming by. Anytime you want you want me to come on and talk football or sports, we'll, we'll do it. He's on 2-7 on Kissing Country 103.9 every weekday afternoon. Mike Riley was in town today, by the way. You can get that whole thing on the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com. We'll play some more clips you later on. Do you want a dab on my way out like Cam Newton does? Yeah, why does he call it the dab? It's just a dance move. You'd get it if you were younger. I probably would. <laughs> I probably would. Coming up to the 8 o'clock news, we'll see what's going on with the Ottawa Senators. They are allowing a ton of goals lately. Steve Lloyd from TSN 1200 in Ottawa coming up.